Hi, this is Claire and the Art of Life podcast. And this is the Secret Pregnancy series. At least a working title, Secret Pregnancy or um, Natural Pregnancy, Wild Pregnancy. Again, I've mentioned in the first two of this series, this is the third episode and I've mentioned in the first two that I don't really like the word pregnancy because of the connotation it has of of waiting for something and of course that feeding into the whole cultural construct of birth being when the baby exists like the baby not really existing before that not having an identity or more the fact that we don't see the, the true nature of the spirit that is coming to us until there's a physical proof of it. And then the conventional rituals that are done around birth and the medicalization of the natural process mean that the spirit is actually severed from the body at that point. Um, but I think it's really severed a long time before. And that one of the reasons I'm making these recordings is that I really wanted to share and to educate and to inspire others about how it is when none of that paraphernalia, none of that interference, dissonance, surveilling and distraction is in the way. You know, how is it to go from conception to birth with absolutely no measuring or external structure or anything other than the natural process going on inside me informing me as to what's going on and what I need to do um one of the themes that I've been talking about so far in this series is sovereignty and privacy and sovereign sovereignty and privacy are sort of two sides of the same coin, I would say. Um, In the, particularly in the context of of mothering and birthing and pregnancy and gestation, the, our state of mind is really key, our state of emotions and our physical state is really key. All of it is key. Our connection with spirit is really key, really core to all. And anything that intrudes upon that against our will or intrudes upon it in an unpleasant way or pulling us out of ourselves, pulling us out of what is the natural authority of the symbiosis of of a gestation, gestating in its own time and energy. Just the the questioning of a woman, oh, are you pregnant, is, is an intrusion. It's not necessarily a welcome intrusion, but women are indoctrinated to expose themselves from such a young age, including in gynecology and pop culture, in fashion, and to expose our bellies, our cleavage, our legs, our arms, to expose ourselves emotionally and physically, and to expose ourselves 
specifically relating to the birth process to expose ourselves to all kinds of things that if we really knew the full extent of their effect on our being and our, our potential to have full health and vitality, we would not necessarily choose them. So the informed consent, again, which is such a, an important aspect of sovereignty, um, which really is a, a moot point, because if, if I intuitively say no to something, it's because I have the authority and the consent within myself it's all owned. It doesn't need external information for me to naturally gravitate away from a thing. If somebody presents a question to me that is intrusive, I, I personally, or rather privately, wholly and um, naturally <clears throat> own the privacy and own the identity. I'm fully enough within my identity that I know when to say more, when to say less. And I know when to guard my beingness, my, the contents of my womb, the contents of my biology that are not separate in a thing that is labelled womb. I embody all my rights and what is right for me and, and I will know who I want to respond to and even when I'm very big, I will not be responding to folk just because they're asking. Um, it's very likely that I'll be responding only to very close friends and only to folk that I'm already in deep dialogue with, um, including older friends, including possibly members of my family, but more likely the folk that I'm already in deep conversation with right now already um, because by its nature the retaining of power and the holding of this power that is motherhood and the power of child coming through the power of autonomy in the privacy of that it can only be held in place by my vitality, like my vitality has to be there. Um, it's not going to be held in place by rigid ideas or statements or reactionary commands to don't intrude on my privacy or such like. It's going to be held in place by my vitality exuding my identity and my being able to stand very easily and express that I am just doing the sacred work and it's it's private. It's not something I'm going to perform in public or or expose myself in public around. It's nothing to do with anybody but myself, my partner, the spirit, the child within, the sacred guidance that I'm receiving. Um, and nobody has a, a, a right, you know, women's right to privacy is we're so trained to to be both exposed and to be under supported and for that like the presumption of the obligation to go and be exposed first just in case or in case something bad happens or just to check when really the the checking if i'm not able to say myself that everything feels good 
that everything feels right, that I feel healthy, if I'm not able to say myself that this is out of kilter, therefore it should be corrected here or there, you know, if I'm not able to do that, then yeah, maybe I wouldn't need to lean on an external authority to do that aspect for me, but ultimately there there is only myself who can tell when it, when all is well and I know that all the different aspects of intervention and surveillance are and, and mass the massive weight of the collective conscious which has been indoctrinated to be aligned with that with interference with separation of spirit from body with instead of entering into the mystery and being at peace and in harmony with it, being in the unknown by not being educated and not feeling our own body, being in the in the numbness instead of the mystery. You know, the mystery is a living, a most potent living vital force of unfolding and the unexpected in quotation marks is not really what the mystery is. It's The mystery is aligned with Gaia Sophia and with knowing that this is the right time and the right place and the right path and also the right method, the right approach and the right attitude and also that my body is in right alignment with itself, that it's healthy enough and has enough vitality in itself. It's the alignment of myriad aspects that weren't in alignment before and that are in alignment now, including who my support network is and isn't, including what my public life is, which is practically non-existent anymore, and including my relationship with my art rather than a business, with my co-creation rather than being a maker of paintings or a maker of products to sell and operating within a market. Um, and yeah, I've been thinking a, a lot on this, like since I've made the first couple of, of podcasts here, I've been really feeling, um, again, I'm, I'm in around three and a half months, but again, somebody was asking me today about how many weeks along I am and, and I, I did go and check because I was sort of thinking in my mind, do I know that? And I was like, well, I don't. Well, I, I can access the information because I have a diary and I've marked down dates and and so on. But as I've mentioned in previous podcasts here, I, I, I have bled since I've been pregnant and I've bled more than once. And that in, in itself has been a huge unfolding of what needed to be released and I hold that as holy. I know that is a holy aspect of my beingness as mother. And I know that it's something that is right and healthy and well. <clears throat> so even measuring from when my last bleeding was isn't relevant in, in that context. The bleeding occurred after conception and I was aware of the conception because the conception aligned on multiple levels, not just on I want to be pregnant, but because I have wanted to be pregnant for many, many, many years, like decades. 
but because everything else was aligned, including my poverty, including my not optimal health, including my neuroses, everything was perfectly aligned so that the process of the healing of pregnancy, the healing of gestation, can lift everything up and outwards, down and outwards, as appropriate in the exact moment that it needs to move up and outwards and down and outwards. And as someone who is quite conscious of their toroidal field and consciously praying into the toroidal field and speaking to alignment in my how I wake up every morning and how I am putting my house in order and how I'm raising food and caring for animals and caring for plants. That symbiosis aligned with my life purpose equals bringing a, a child into the world in this way. And um, I was thinking about um, how initially I've had this neuroses kind of conflict between wanting to tell folk or wanting to just be visible, like not to want to have to hide anything because my my belly is a beautiful size already, you know, coming towards after 90 days and 95 days or so. Um, and... At the same time, having trepidation, like serious trepidation about once the cat's out the bag, once Pandora's box is open, the knowing the psychosis of even the most seemingly sane person when it comes to gestation and birth and gynaecology, the average person is frankly totally fucked in the head with a load of mythology that is self-fulfilling mythology of things that they are obligated to do with their bodies through their own fear of their own body and their own lack of connection with the spirit of their body's capacity to heal itself and their denial that other people can heal themselves <laughs> um, the one thing I'm, I'm very certain of in my life that guides everything that is core, central the taproot of my whole purpose in life is the fact that I know that I can heal myself. I've dealt with many, many layers of trauma, pain, grief, fear, neuroses, and have actually healed them, like not just dealt with them mentally or done a workshop or seen a counsellor. I've actually transformed them so I'm living proof my life and my character, my presence in the world and the way I'm able to, able to move through the world peacefully and vibrantly are proof. The fact that I'm pregnant at the age of 50 is proof that I am aligned and that I've been able to heal issues with my cervix, my womb, my fertility, my fertility cycle, my psychology around wanting a thing and not being able to have it. Not that a baby is a thing, but wanting to be mother, to be in the most sacred space of being mother and having that fail, having my body, as I perceived it, fail. Um, having been through all those cycles and all that fear 
and feeling isolated and unable to support myself or my, unable for my body to support a pregnancy, unable for me to find the right community and the right like-minded folk. The time, which is now, oh, there's a cat out my window. <laughs> um, hang on. Distract them. Yeah, the cat. Um, I think the cats are just getting big enough to almost start doing their mating calls. Um, and they might be interrupting this podcast with some music, some songs, mating songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about the vitality versus the psychosis, and I've been thinking about the the privacy and the the visibility and how we stay in in that space, like in that space of sovereignty, without giving away energy and without allowing somebody else's hooking to tap into us and steal our energy. Um, I was talking with a friend today and and really reveling in the fact I was saying to another friend that I was suddenly realising that the handful of close, close friends that I have that I can talk to this, talk to about this. I can talk on such a deep level with them about the mystical aspects like what I'm alluding to in this podcast series. I can talk to my own feelings and my own neuroses in a way that's helped me move through them to such an extent with just this very small handful of folk, literally three friends, and nobody in the in the immediate vicinity, all folk long distance overseas. But the few friends, the few connections, there's such strong connections and such we have such flow and rivers of communication that you know, it really helped me to understand that you know I could have a bigger support network, but if they're not there in living conversation with me right now about this subject and about mysticism and spirituality and health and how we heal ourselves, then you know that they're, they're not there, <laughs> and um, it wouldn't matter if I had a bigger support network in the community of women that I could depend on if they're not aligned with completely natural, completely uninhibited birth process and gestation process and women being sovereign in their identity. So that um, factor means that I'm actually doing really well with how I protect my privacy and how my boundaries actually are very healthy. Um, And I was saying to my friend that, you know, I realise it's the the polemic of thinking, oh, it's better to be private and not let anyone know until the last minute, as if there's going to be this like public unveiling, um, when really people's awareness and concentration and interference in, in my gestation 
will happen naturally in the same way that my awareness about whether or not I am pregnant happened naturally too. Where there's a, you know, there's signs for it that mean it might be possible and there's signs against it mean it might not be possible. But then as time passes, you know, there's, you're not going to miss the fact, you know, I'm not overweight, I'm not um, carrying any particular extra weight that would hide a pregnancy. And it's very clear already, although I have a bit of a pot belly anyway, it's very clear to me that that's a lot more than a pot belly and a lot more than my usual bra size, as it were. Not that I wear a bra particularly. Um, but yeah, I'm very conscious of my own body. I have a lot of consciousness in my body and I'm very aware that if I were measuring my pregnancy in a conventional way, in the, the conventionally perceived as normal way, I would be measuring days from my last bleeding. I would be measuring um, temperatures and hormones in my pee and through scanning the inside of my womb. And that's something that I gave up a long time ago. Feeling the need for somebody else to look in my womb with technology and print an image out rather than, and for me to be looking at that image or not even me looking at the image, the doctor to be looking at the image, the gynecologist, and then them to be interpreting that and telling me how well I am. And there was a point where that was no longer felt like the right thing to be doing. And now in the context of gravidanza and gestation, the idea that I would go outside of myself is immediately... Like, I, I immediately don't want that. I know that what's right is to go inside myself. And when I go inside myself, I, I found that at various points in the first few months, I've got very heady worrying about stuff or I've got very nervous about my sore back or about my general level of health or about my tiredness and about things that need to come up in my relationship with the father of the child, about things that we need to resolve, about issues with the electricity company, about having to put my car off the road, which I'm doing tonight. Today is the last day of my car. And just a, just another aside, um, we're just before Hogmanay and New Year, leaving 2022 and moving into 2023. So me being about... Um, three and a half, going towards four months. And um, even though I may publish this much later, or only to very close friends who I'm already in dialogue with, but yeah, the times when I was outside my body, I could feel symptoms coming, you know, like I could feel coldness in the front of my pelvis it was quite cold at the time too but I could feel like there, you know there's something was calling my attention there a coolness and so I wrapped a beautiful kind of wrap that I have a lovely woolly thing with the ribbons that I wrap around my belly when I want it to be extra warm and then I went to the market and bought a kind of um I don't know what it's called it's like a, a cowl uh a tube which flares out a little at one part of wool um, 
that's kind of like a skirt and a, or a boob tube but it's for me it's like for my hips and up to my waist uh, up to my chest to just warm that cool area if if I'm sitting down for long periods or if I'm working and my jacket's riding up it's just a nice thing to cover that midriff that gets a bit cold when I'm when the weather starts to cool down the house starts to cool down and I just listen to the symptom and then I, I also more than taking care of the body physically from the outside all I'm doing is breathing down into my body and you know the whole pregnancy could go in a completely different decora uh, direction, decoration, direction. If I wasn't doing that at every point that I feel something, and that again is the whole dynamic around where we lose our energy and where we give up our power to heal ourselves. Because as soon as we feel a symptom, we presume it's going to get worse and worse and worse. We presume it's a sign of something worse to come because we've been trained to think like that rather than seeing it as a blessing that's simply calling our attention down into the body. And the thing about that equation, like that equation only works with somebody who's done the work on their body and isn't holding on to massive trauma or isn't very numb or isn't always in their head and rarely in their body. Because I'm really present in my body, I'm really incarnate and my consciousness flows freely. My creativity flows freely which anyone can do at any point. They can just do it more and more at any point. I'm on a very dynamic journey to doing that more and more and getting better and better at it. And as a consequence, I see every symptom, no matter what the symptom is, no matter what pain and what part of the body, no matter how deep it is, how sharp it is, how painful it is, how enduring it is, I absolutely know that it's there to bring my attention to exactly where it is. And if I put my attention there, there's no need for my body to raise its voice at me or shout at me or scream desperately at me that you need to bring your energy down. Um, and that's where I am with my healing just now. And that's the, the presence of my, uh, the presence of my attention in my womb. is working in synchrony, in symbiosis with the presence that is in my womb that is rising up and wants to work within my toroidal field. And then my toroidal field is supported and encouraged and eased. Like the effortlessness of my toroidal field is freed by the effortlessness of my child's spirit occupying its presence fully because it's not being inhibited by my energetic field. There aren't big blocks in my energetic field. And <clears throat> although I have minor neuroses or even deep neuroses that need to be released, the process of pregnancy can release them. The, the presence of this spiritfulness can release them because I'm not resisting it. I'm not being distracted into looking externally for anything around this gravidanza. I'm not looking for confirmation outside of myself. I'm looking for confirmation between me at the deepest level of meanness, the deepest level of my spirit and the deepest level of the child's spirit. 
as one they're not separate and that's the thing like they're working not just in symbiosis like two separate things working in union but they are actually one so the child is here to heal me just as much as I'm here to heal the child and to we're co-parenting as it were even though parenting isn't the right word and co isn't the right word we're co-creating we're expanding together we're growing together and um like there's nothing negative in that no matter what the gestation finishes in or completes in or whether or not it completes that is absolute divine order it might be that a child comes through me only for a few months of gestation and then leaves and dies that's entirely possible and i have to be open to the possibility and mystery of that to all possibilities it might be that the child gestates a very long period and comes out a very big baby and I have to really work with opening myself for, to that. It might be that the baby is born prematurely and very small and I have to open myself to that and be prepared and be ready to support the child in whatever it needs at that time. And all of it I will be fully prepared for, even the worst event eventuality I will be fully prepared for because I am a living woman and I'm not afraid of life or death. I'm not afraid to fully occupy myself and to fully be in this process because I've been fully in the process of my own healing all this time and I've been willing and able to go deep into the, the hardest things to look at, the most painful things to look at, the, the deepest levels of distrust of the world and the deepest levels of shame and doubt, fear, deepest levels of disbelief in myself, of lack of trust in myself, because I've gone into that and just allowed myself to fully occupy the dark depth, depth of the swamp um, it means that I'm capable and ready now. Not because I've like earned a load of brownie points or something and won a certificate and passed a test, but because there's a certain amount of work we have to do before we get to be healthy and well, depending on what has been thrown at us and what we've been exposed to in our lives. And equally, I feel that like we all have a path to... As mothers, we all have different kinds of paths to fulfil in life and we all have a potential which is very distinct, unique, inimitable. And only we can know that potential, only we can know that spirit of our life that wants to complete itself, that wants to come into the 3D to grow and bring spirit down, bring energy down and be a vibrant conduit and then be sufficiently capable of releasing into the unified field again at the end of our life. Like each of us does that in our absolutely in our own way, just in the same way that we birth completely uniquely, we just date completely uniquely. Um, and this projection of this timeline and agenda and you know, if, if you think there isn't an agenda in the world, like that there isn't a, a global order, an agenda, 
just look at modern gynecology and modern medicalization of birth and look at how the, the actual agenda, like the agenda of the due date and the conception date and the, the forced interference if you don't perform like a machine, as if you are actually a machine, that everyone just dates for the exact, to the minute, to the hour, to the day, the exact time. And you have to do it within those 24 hours. But then of course, once you're in the hospital, and if you've been surveilled throughout your pregnancy, you will be, already there'll be loads of contraindications to allow you to just book birth naturally. Once you're in the hospital, on that conveyor belt is one friend who'd been whisked in and had everything go completely against her legal document birth plan, which was supposed to be no intervention. And of course, there was like massive intervention, all of it completely unnecessary and completely about cutting and torturing the woman and the baby. Even if one is very healthy and ready and going through a natural pregnancy, whatever the amount of hours it's going to take you, if it's any more than two hours, if you're at home, you're going to get whisked off to hospital in an ambulance. If it's any more than a certain amount of hours and minutes in the hospital, if your dilation isn't happening whilst someone's prodding at your cervix with their big rubber hand, somebody you've never met before, you know, if you're not able to somehow, <laughs> somehow miraculously get beyond that by concentrating one's awareness on opening and divine channeling of mystical feminine energy, then you will be interfered upon and you will be whisked into the operating room. Um, those grips have tightened and tightened in re recent years and the machinery of birth in most cultures, most countries, is all based around that model of getting the baby out quickly and efficiently with whatever violence it takes, whatever is necessary. Pulling, pushing, <clears throat> cutting, slashing, um, forceps, <clears throat> pulling the baby's head, deforming the baby's head, deforming the baby's limbs, like there are. It's just a complete horror show, basically. And although many women have been through that process and think they have a natural birth and think that they're unscathed, think that they're coping with it. Um, the true trauma of that is, is really underestimated and unspoken about. Like it's so normalized that we are ritually, horrifically tortured, even before we're pregnant, even before we've given birth were ritually tortured and caused immense amount of pain. And then when we're in pain and we're going to the doctor, we're told it's women troubles or it's normal for women to feel that amount of pain. When of course, pain is never normal. It's never wrong. It's never a bad thing, but it is never like something that we should tolerate. We shouldn't be tolerating pain. Pain is a call, again, a call to come down into our body. But of course, pain specifically in the womb and specifically during gestation is most certainly likely to be from 
very long-term accumulated interference and trauma, intrusion and trespass. Um, so just meaning it's not as simple as everyone can just put their attention on the pain and that's the end of it. The attention on the pain has to be part of a holistic plan and approach and willingness to surrender to whatever it is that's been put in there to release and come out, essentially, whatever blows have been dealt to us in our body, our mind, our emotions, our, our physiology, our soul, have to be undone. They have to be loosened. The tightness has to be loosened. The numbness has to be felt. And that process, depending on where we begin it in our lives, depending on how much we've been fiddled around with by... I'm not going to say well-meaning gynecologists because like the, the term well-meaning like for in terms of doctors and people who participate in the modern medical system is just the wrong, wrong phrase. It's not the right phrase at all to be using. But suffice to say, um, even if we think we've been with well-meaning people and they've been checking our health and helping us to take care of our fertility and our, our womb. We have been consenting to our own abuse and to rape and to interference on a really profound scale that it takes a, a lot to undo that psychology and to really recognise what's been done to us and why it's been done to us, i.e. because people are profiting from our bodies and to recognise that we don't need that to be done to us, that the obligation is all about giving us not even benefits and privileges but giving us abuse in place of care and stealing our energy and our attention and our inner resources in place of us fully occupying them and knowing them and being able to actually use them in the world and that's something that I've had a, a very significant um, revelation about during this like coming into the second trimester. I just had a short break there to fill up the water in the bath. I'm sitting in the bath and then um, water. I have a very intimate relationship with water and I have noticed that sensitivity to water really changing in, in recent months as I've been gestating. And as I was saying, just coming into the, the second trimester, um, the organic nature of the process, there being a distinct shift in one trimester to the other, from the first trimester having been relatively um, about releasing stuff, about letting go, even the bleeding that I had, the menstruation during the gestation which I speak about in the first couple of podcasts in this series. Um, but my relationship with water has become like my relationship with plants and plants in the garden that I'm growing and, and trees in the vicinity, especially big trees in the vicinity, calling me to give me gifts. Um, the water similarly is transmitting uh, to me. And I, I, was, I was on the point of just about to say something that I felt was a really nugget of wisdom there. But then when I, 
when I turned the water on, I immediately was getting something from the water too, which was just to talk about relationship with water. Um, and that is, is like such a perfect example of how as a womb one, as a woman, uh, womb and one. My capacity to move fluidly into any situation is a really key part of, you know, to not get fixated in my mind about dot, 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 one, two, three, following a train of thought, but being able to speak from from the font that is life and from the font that is what's actually happening now. You know, my primary um, focus is my vitality because everything else follow, follows from my vitality. So my vitality, you know, I need to keep warm in the bath, especially because I have a growing belly and I need to keep that warm. And the bath was just starting to be a, li a little bit less hot. And as I put the water on, you know, that, that awareness that doesn't matter what else is going on, there's nothing more important than that, even in the middle of recording what I feel is an important podcast for me um, and saying, quote, important things. <laughs> there's nothing more important than taking care of the self in each and every moment. And that's where we get, um, like, that's what's hijacked. That's what's hijacked in gynecology and the birth process and so on, where an external system tells us that we have to stay lying in the cold bath effectively because we can't interrupt the conversation you know the conversation is more important than the practice the the protocol is more important than nature and the nature of what wants to unfold like uh, my, one of my closest friends had her second birth at home uh, with a an, I think an NHS midwife uh, National Health Service in Britain, midwife. And the majority of the, the labouring, um, the process of birth was really natural and uninhibited, but apart from the ways in which <clears throat> the assisting state women were interfering, and particularly at the point where she was, I think, in water. I'm pretty sure she was in water. So maybe in the bath or something. And she was very close in that primal place, so very close to the child being coming, actually exiting her body. And she was very comfortable where she was and she was very in the process of what was going on in the sensations and in the, in the right state, in the right place, in the right time, the right moment, and the child was coming. But the midwife interrupted her and said, oh, it's so many minutes since you peed, you have to go to the toilet. Which is the most, it's the most absurd, wrong thing to do in that holy state where the child is working symbiotically with the mother and is in the right position, the right timing to release. It's such a delicate state. It's a state that absolutely we should just be on our knees in front of worshipping. And in that moment, just to shut this bloody woman up, my friend got out of the water or got out of the whatever position she was in and got up and 
obviously in great discomfort, tried to get to the toilet and the child was born on the floor. The child was birthed as she was getting to the toilet. Um, and that, you know, that's a relatively natural birth, but it's still very much disrupted and unnecessarily painful for the woman. The thing that's often not mentioned when women talk about the kind of interference that's happened to them in the hospital or through having, for example, state-registered, certified, in inverted commas, folk present at their birth, there is almost always profound pain at people scraping their, their cervix that is trying to expand to 10 centimetres and whatever size. Not That's such a fucking arbitrary number, like... Not all babies' heads are exactly 10 centimetres. It's such a ridiculous thing, which can't even be measured. It's such a ridiculous thing to say that you're measuring ac accurately whether a thing is 10 centimetres or not. A thing being the sacred gateway of life and death. The cervix. Um, but the, the amount of pain that is intentionally caused to women and they're expected to numb it or ignore it or deal with it whilst they're in this sacred space of transitioning from child being inside to child being outside them that is and they're trying to facilitate that in the most peaceful harmonious right way natural way in the right timing like there is perfect timing the child will come out exactly when the child and the mother are together in unison, releasing. And that is very difficult to do. Like the whole nature of surrender, release, letting go, opening, is absolutely dependent on the mother's being very in her primal beingness, in her sensations, feeling everything every detail of sensation that the child is orienting and navigating out of the womb. Um, such a complex moment of things coming together that a single word, a single gesture, a loud voice or any voice an instrument, uh, a noise of metal on metal, a bright light, uh, an unnecessary intrusion or, or um, command being given to the mother when she knows her body, she knows what she's doing, um, but an unnecessary command, like anything can set, not just set the labour back, but, but stop it opening in the easeful way that it's meant to open, which is orgasmically, naturally, fluidly, joyfully. That flowering of the cervix and the flowering of the womb and the natural releasing of like, it's time to release, it's time to let go. And therefore to let go, you know, this pelvic floor that has been sitting solid and closed and the yoni which has been um, neatly packed in on itself and the cervix which has been royally sitting there waiting to give the command 
waiting um, and working in this beautiful um, widening and then widening and then widening. Like when you see a, a, a flower opening, you know, when you see it speeding up, you see it opening in this way where it, it kind of opens and then just slightly, slightly stops opening and maybe even moves back a little and then opens and then it's exactly the same way as a flower, the same fluid movement of a flower. There's no por- there's no point at which it just like slams wide open. The speeded up film shows us how it happens very slowly and very fluidly, of course. And yet in the the interference during the birth process, there's this supposed obligation to be interfered with so that that fluidity isn't allowed to manifest, so that the it's expected that the mother will submit to torture at that time and to interference that will cause her phenomenal pain, like artificial hormones, like things that will speed up the birth so that somebody can get off their fucking shift at work. So literally, for the convenience of people who are earning money on her birth, her birth will be turned into a torture device for her. And that's, like, there's so many ways in which pain comes into birth that doesn't need to be there. And if the birth was unfolding like a flower, would not be there. And that is something that, like, conventional logic is just so turned against that, so convinced that the pain is necessary, convinced that cutting is necessary, convinced that an emergency psychosis of emergency is normal and is healthy. Um, All of that is why it feels very, very important to move like the water, to feel like the water, to feel the energy around me informing me and things that happen in the moment to inform me for the betterment of whatever wants to unfold. Um, and like I was talking with friends um, about how even something like um, people's psychic attacks, I've, I've always been very vulnerable to other people's anger. Oh, horribly, horribly vulnerable to it, like hooked into it immediately and had a very visceral, like a very physical effect from somebody being angry with me, somebody threatening me in the same room, raising their voice or just giving me bad, bad vibes, people gossiping about me. And I've had various points in my life where I've been very visible publicly, like had a public position in inverted commas, as it were, you know, as an artist and as a protagonist and a, a visionary person, who, a woman who is inspiring change and rejuvenation of of communities and gardens and areas and towns like the the one I live in now. I've had times that I've had a very public face and people have used that face to project onto, they've used the fact that I'm a woman foreigner to project all kinds of their misogyny onto me. And there have been points where there's been like a perfect storm of people projecting their neediness onto me, their need to demonise women, their need to um, turn a woman who is defending herself or putting a boundary up as a, a really bad 
a badly behaved or even an evil woman, like a really wrong or mad or dangerous woman, just because she's raising her voice, because someone's trespassing or just because she's saying that she doesn't like a thing because she doesn't like it. Um, and there, there have been points, particularly in the time since I moved to Guardia San Fremondi and we did this house hunting TV show and we, um, I was in a position where I had a lot of attention on me. Particularly in that state, I had a complete crisis of, like a health crisis because lots of people were projecting stupid shit onto me. And, and that was kind of the point where I recognised how important privacy was and how important boundaries were. But it took me another like five, ten years even to get to a point where I understood that a boundary has to be a living thing and it has to be a, it comes through, like boundary isn't really the right word because the vitality of a healthy woman in particular, women, will naturally attract what she needs she needs to her and will naturally not not just repel but like I won't be walking that way I won't be looking for that kind of attention and again this this is so relevant like in gravidanza pregnancy gestation because I was discussing with a friend about you know this fear of psychic attack the fear of being visible and then having people start to interrogate me and to intrude on my privacy and and to project these nasty thoughts which people tend to do when you ever talk about womb related health or women's ability to heal themselves it immediately brings up really dark shit for people women and men alike and their need to have some sort of mental control over that and that in turn can create all kinds of negative like pull the psychosis out of people where they start trying to suppress what I'm saying, what I'm expressing as someone who knows about health, knows about healing really deep shit, and knows about my own body's capacities. Um, the need for folk to validate their own psychotic path in life <laughs> becomes a weapon that is used. And it, but as I was talking with my friend about how like we're only really vulnerable in places where we haven't where we have a weakness, where we where there's already a wound. And if we feel into that, when we start to feel the first twinge of discomfort at somebody asking the wrong question or being obnoxious or, you know, a drunk person putting their attention on my belly, um, In my healthful state, I won't be near that drunk person. In my healthful state, I won't be walking past the bar on a Saturday night, full stop. In my healthful state, I will be able to not, not deflect, but to sort of blast away any potential projection by simply explaining, this is absolutely, strictly private. I do not want to even affirm or negate what you're saying to me it's simply completely private my body is sovereign it's got nothing to do with anyone else and this is between me and the life that is in me and the life that is in me like that doesn't even need to be mentioned and um, it doesn't need to be labeled or discussed or you know the the discussion will come through living conversations with people who are genuinely interested and who I already trust or who 
give a trusting vibe. They won't be with somebody who's intrusively demanding to know something based on surveillance and limitation or their their limited projection onto a woman who is natural and healthy and strong and independent-minded and very, very knowledgeable about what birth is and what my body is and how my body works. Um, Again, it all comes down to, like, what is there that is interrupting between my head, my emotions, my head, my heart, and my womb, my head, my emotions, and spirit, like the true nature of what is going on in my womb right now? You know, what is there somebody in between there? No, there's me and there's spirit child coming through. And if I keep bringing my attention to that and bringing my attention in spiritful truth to that, there's... There's no need for a drama outside of me to confirm that or to confirm what the wound is. There's no need for controversy to draw my attention to what the wound is. I already know really well what my wounds are and I know that the wounds have been methodically cleansed and released throughout my life. So when someone presents a potential um, fear-mongering statement to me, there won't be a corresponding weakness or um, numbness or trauma that it can latch on to. There'll just be me saying, thank you for your offer, but no. Um, and walking away from them, like not staying to engage and having an argy-bargy about it. I won't be giving them energy. And that too is like, I don't mean to dwell on on like the normalization of the torture of women, but but the one of the issues in the world about like why it's been so normalized that there are quote problems for older quote older women being pregnant and gestating and birthing. It's so intimately connected with how little vital force they have because they have consented on some level to their vital force to be siphoned off over the years, like either into work that isn't deeply satisfying or that is overly strenuous and doesn't work to their with their natural rhythms. Having to shut down aspects of their body because they have to just go to work and earn money and pay mortgage and and so on. And having everything speeded up when it's they they need it you know a woman needs things to be in natural order and natural rhythm we can't just force our bodies if we force our bodies to move to mechanical rhythms then problems arise and the problems are the body saying i cannot be a machine i'm not a machine that's that's all the problem is really And when we get back into natural rhythm, expose ourselves to fresh air, clean water, natural food that we grew ourselves or that was grown very close to us and hasn't lost its vitality on the way to our plate. Um, The pleasure of everything, the deep, deep, holistic, spiritual joy and fulfilment of everything means that my cup is running over basically 
and I have enough energy that I will be able to birth very easily, very in flow, because I'm not going to lose all my energy to some machine that's feeding off me, some device that's interrupting or distracting me through surveilling me or you know, I will have access to the font of life, which is orgasmic birth. I know I will have an orgasmic birth because I'm <laughs> I'm very well trained and I'm very well educated about it. That I've gone to the depths of my own soul and body and core of being. And I've recognized myself as spirit and as Gaia Sophia and as the universe, the unified field and co-creative intelligence and that doesn't mean I'm a, I'm a, um, that's not from the ego. It's not from trying to be superior to anyone or say that I'm special because I'm holy and sacred. It's just a simple fact that we are all that. We are all that. And there is no separation. There is no separation between us. We're all just working through our wounds and through the trauma of what we've been brought into this world with and we are at, at this very particular time and place on Gaia Sophia that we are here to clear this um, we're here to work through the dramas together we're here to heal the wounds together and to really transform into something much more than what we have been telling ourselves and agreeing with each other that we are for the last few centuries or millennia, perhaps, last few millennia. <laughs> um, so yeah, this font of energy that, you know, the, all the systems and all the structures and all the external obligations and, and supposed privileges that we have access to, like supermarkets and citizenship and um, driver's license and so on, all of that um, is taking our attention, resources and physically our energy in exchange, which has been exchanged for sweat equity, money, wages, all of that that we're contracted into is all about taking our energy. So for a woman to birth in the context of having done a nine to five job, that isn't her soul path, that isn't her work in the world, which would probably be much more creative, would probably be much more local and about her radiating out her uniqueness and her unique mothering and caring and loving capacity out from where exactly where she is, being in living relationship with the elements, the things, the trees, the plants, the animals, the neighbours, the people. The average person, through the education system, through the work system, through everything system, the economic system, is methodically stripped of their energy. And, you know, if we haven't cottoned on to that dynamic, if we haven't figured out that dynamic and done something to reverse it, then when it comes to a time where we you know, we might be physically capable of holding a pregnancy, but the energy that we need for the birth might not be there because it's always going somewhere else. And, and the act of it going somewhere else means that by 
by definition, we're not in fully in our bodies. Our attention and energy should be in our whole body and the extension of our aura and our oneness with all things at all times. That's what a healthy body would be. It would be centered, aligned and rooted and extending beyond the physical body. And we would be in symbiotic harmony with all things, literally all things. But of course, the system is designed for us to be in competition with all things and for the feminine to be suppressed and subjugated and for everything natural to be interfered with so that people can steal what's naturally belonging to everyone and free, freely available and package it, put a price tag on it and selling it back to us for a great price, which in in real life, it would have been free. It would have been ours already. We wouldn't have had to beg for it or exchange our crumbs for it or our gold coins. Um, so... The amount of energy that comes back to us um, when we become suffering, the subtle energies that come back to us are really necessary in, in pregnancy and birth. And maybe, I'm not going to say particularly for older women, but certainly, you know, I've had to, to work very hard because I was already exhausted in my teens. I was suffering from nervous exhaustion and depression already in my early teens on the island in Scotland and it got worse from there on for many 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 years for decades after that I was getting accumulatively more and more tired because life wasn't unfolding unfolding peacefully around me I was trying to find something in the material world stability in a community in a city in different cultures and countries, in different kinds of villages, commu uh, communities, I already said, villages, cities, beaches, forests. I was trying to find this peace and this calm and this harmony. Um, but I couldn't do that because I was so vulnerable and my energy was scattered. And because my energy was scattered and I was so vulnerable, I just went from one trauma and one incredibly vulnerable situation to another for most of my life, basically. Um, you know, for a good, all my life up until very recently, <laughs> when I was always in vulnerable situations and I was always exposing myself, but I was always, with the, the best of my intention, was moving back to spirit, moving back to nature, moving back to harmony, to community, to stability. It's just that it was very, very slow. And it, most of the time it was imper imperceptible because so much chaos was going on around me. And that eventually, when I had this crisis that I talked about before, the perfect storm of me being too visible when I couldn't hold the energy of it and acting out and reacting to it and being destroyed by it, having people destroy my reputation, my name, both directly and indirectly say things against my character and against my beingness and try and steal my energy and steal my, my goodness, my actual goodness, like steal that from me and paper me with, you know, like paint me with an, another kind of energy. Um, I really learned at that point, way back in 2012 and, and onwards, 
those few years of, of gold rush about Guardia San Fermondi, um, I really recognised that there was something very wrong about the, the amount of energy I was putting out and the, the complete lack of reward that I was getting for, for it, that I was actually being punished for putting myself out in the world, even though I was trying to do good and I was trying to rejuvenate a community and bring interest and cultural exchange to a town and um, build gardens and create community and bring all this yeah, like interweaving of stories and lives and help people to find their dream homes and their dream life in Italy. Um, yeah, all completely backfired for me. It didn't go wrong completely for everybody. A lot of people came here and bought houses. I think over 200 people bought houses or, or 200 houses were sold. A few hungry people bought more than one house and more than two or three houses, actually. And then there's lots of upheaval and people coming and going and people abandoning things and ripping each other off and bankruptcies and nonsense and cowboy workmanship and so on. Lots and lots of chaos and nonsense that I knew that I had played a part in attracting. But, but through that lesson, through that harsh realisation of how vulnerable I was in that situation, how exposed I was and how strongly physiologically I was affected by people projecting wrongness onto me projecting um, badness onto me from there I became the gift of that was that I became much clearer about my identity and much clearer about my sensitivity and my superpower that those like sensitivity is not vulnerability it's not a, again not a negative thing it's simply something that needs attended to that something needs my something that needed my attention, and because I really learned about how I, it's possible for me to get myself into situations where I am completely emptied, completely stripped bare, and attacked, and feeling physiological crumbling because of my vulnerability to attack. Um, you know, I really had to, at that time, I really had to strip apart. Where does all that come from? Like, there was so much in it because so much had been accumulated over the years. And even though I was very aware of some key issues like abuse, alcoholism, violence, poverty and grief in my early years, even though I was aware I'd done a lot of work around that, I had to do the, all the work all again on a whole different level and I think that's a theme that comes around that sometimes it seems like we're doing the same work yet again we seems like we're feeling the same symptoms yet again but if we're going in the right direction it, it is always going deeper and that's the beauty of it like uh here we go again like we can I can get stuck and fixated on like I've done this before I do not want to do it again this is horrible it's so painful I can't believe I've got these symptoms again but if I recognise that it's simply something spiralling around, I can spiral upwards. I don't have to go down into it. It doesn't have to be a spiral downwards where yet again I am overwhelmed by life and feel that I can't do it. The building up of energy is directly correlated to the releasing of accumulated trauma and the releasing of accumulated neuroses and resentments and anger at the world and... Um, Sort of general stiffness about identity, the 
entering entering into the unified field and into the livingness of Gaia Sophia and the reality, like the real reality underneath this artificial reality that we live in, the real reality that we are actually symbiotic with this thing that we call Gaia Sophia, the wisdom of this planet, the living wisdom of the planet that is Gaia Sophia, not planet Earth, which God knows what that even means, but our symbiotic livingness with this thing that is a larger natural intelligence and a, a larger evolving natural intelligence our oneness with that is um, like that's where we get our energy from our belief that we're not one with that is where our energy is lost because then it's a free-for-all anyone can take our energy if we're not attached to the natural font and again that during the early stages of pregnancy um, everything in me oh I'm just getting the most incredible sensation of energy rising through my womb just now. Wow. Oh, wow, really incredible feeling of affirm affirmation and life. Um, wow. Yeah, this font of life that we naturally are is, well, that's it. I just talked about it and my body and the energy of this spirit in me affirms that and it affirms it through, not through some titillating sexual feeling or some um, excited adrenaline feeling but through an, a holistic feeling, which is, it might possibly be referred to as like Kundalini, but I really don't like using labels on things. It's a warm, holistic force that there is no separation in, like homeopathy talks about how the symptom has to be in your own words because it's what, what your attention has been drawn to. But to talk about that, it's, we're usually using labels of things and place parts of the body as separate as, you know, a thing, like the womb being a thing. But of course, I'm not feeling a thing, which is the womb, which is making a particular sensation. I'm feeling a holistic sen sensation in the whole of my pelvis and up my belly. And it's a rising sensation and it's a feeling of the purity of spirit as life and the purity of our universal love and the purity of thought as wisdom and thought as expression of sensation. The purity of that, the undivided, it's not divided, it's not separated. It, it can be translated directly because I I'm open to that. 
I'm not closed, I'm not rigid, I'm not distracted, I'm not dissipated, my energy isn't dissipated. So the energy can rise and the energy can guide the best path, the only path, which is the one path of the right way, the most right way. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to close this and be guided by that this evening. Um, yeah, it's such a strong affirmation. I've been very aware that being a certain amount of time along, as it were, you know, I'm not seeing this as a trajectory um, with notches on it and specific dates and demands about those dates and times that they should, certain things should be happening. But I'm just aware in my consciousness, I am aware that there's the possibility of starting to feel movement, which is called the quickening or fluttering. Um, but of course, every woman will feel a completely unique to her and her child sensation of physical communication, whereas before it was energetic, it's also energetic and physical and um, yeah that's that's a very exciting thing to sort of get the the rush of energy around that just now um so yes yeah, so to say that in common english as in the language that some people might find easier to understand i i'm not feeling a baby moving in my womb that's not what i'm feeling but i'm feeling consciousness communicating directly with me consciousness that is sufficiently able to communicate directly with me energetically and like in terms of wisdom it's able to commune with me through what I am transmitting to you it's able to transmit to me equally because I, it's moving up and out of me in a very natural and holistic and gift to the world kind of a way in flow and as such the thing that might eventually the entity the energy that might eventually become a human being in the world is able to respond through that because there's, there's no dissonance between us. We are one and they will speak to me as me. They will speak to me as energy and they will speak to me as presence energetically, as part of my energetic presence. We're in the physical, they are in, they in inverted commas are in the physical inside of me, but we're not separate and we're not there's no need for us to be um, labelled as parts and then have a false language um, imposed, projected onto us that's going to call us out of this holy calling, this sacred work, um, this, this rightness and this the perfection of this perfect state yeah um wow <laughs> i'm in awe of of this process um and of this being that is coming and of our symbiotic relationship already our oneness so i'm going to leave you now um and really look forward to 
the expansion of these podcasts and I look forward now to I'm feeling more and more comfortable with the idea of publishing although I'm very careful too I'm I'm aware of all the nonsense that's in the world and I, I need to be absolutely sure you know like a thousand percent energetically sure and I will be energetically sure I'm very aware of that um it will be a euphoric, a euphoric release of the podcasts um as and when I do release them and um, in the meantime, if you want to look at my art, you want to download my art book, formerly known as a catalogue, um, see my website, clairegayasophia.com, C-L-A-R-E. And if you want to support my work, go to the gift page there. I'll probably be updating a few things soon because some of the language on my website is a little bit tight. And this stuff is like really opening and flowing. And um, yeah, I obviously want to integrate. This is the work I've been waiting to do all my life. And I really want to integrate that in, you know, it fits perfectly into what I've been doing in my art all this time and in my podcasts and in my health um, communications and sharings and offerings all this time and in my co-creation and art school and all these things I've, I've been sharing this all the time but this is you know this is the culmination the fruitfulness that, and the fruit of all that I've been working towards and correcting and healing and and expressing all this time like this is the sacred work uh, of the culmination of all of that and like this is my masterwork and these podcasts are kind of like the equivalent of documenting a pregnancy they're the equivalent of um measuring and taking ultrasounds these are this is my documentation of the actual living reality of what the pregnancy is like when i was just describing the sensations i had earlier so love to you do support my work if you can even if it's just with good words that is just as important as financial gift or um, buying paintings or anything else it's just as, just as important it, it's so so good and encouraging for me to hear that folk anybody one person appreciates a podcast or is inspired by a painting or is just glad to know me um, if you don't know me um my my work has been very heavily censored and my business has been obliterated by the kind of restrictions that were introduced and the kind of psychosis that has unraveled in the last years and as such I live on a very very low income and with a very very small audience I'm trying to change that just now I feel it's time to change that but I did feel that I had to totally remove my work and my art from the world because I needed to just take a sabbatical and take time out from the, the madness of what's been going on in the mainstream. And because I was forced out as well. And I've, I've now, uh, the conventional term would be regrouped. <laughs> I've regrouped with myself and obviously my state of, of joyous um, gestation that I'm in, my living gestation that, I'm, that I am, is a sign that um, I'm going in the right direction no matter what's going on. So 
um, I should be more visible in the future. I might even publish this podcast and let you hear it. <laughs> so yeah, please do support my work because I live with a very, very small income and I, I think it would be very challenging to have a child in the world and have such a small income. Not saying I can't do it and do it really, really well. Um, at the same time, yeah, today is the day I take my car off the road and um, there are other reasons for that, not just financial, but yeah, I'm having to be very, very super creative, which I am. So I can do that, but I'm having to be very creative with my with my few coins that I'm getting per month. Um, it would be amazing to have your support on Patreon. That really helps me to have a steady income. It's just a, a huge, huge thing. If Even if you can support me with a couple of euros or five euros or 10 euros a month is a huge, huge positive effect on my income. Really, really huge. And it mean, might make the difference between my cats eating good meat or eating crap food out of a tin or eating at all. <laughs> Got too many cats and it's, bit, it's under control now, but there's six of them and it's really hard to keep them all fed. Um, trying to send them out to work, send them out to hunt in the field. Um, there's plenty of potential for them to hunt, but um, the three young ones are a wee bit reluctant to do that. They haven't really cottoned on that they have to earn their own living. Bless them. So, yeah. Love, 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 support my work if you can. And I'll see you on my website, on Hive, or even on Instagram, I'm th- there is Claire, Gaia Sophia. And I'm on hi- hive.blog as Claire Artista. Um, do get in touch. I love you and I love you for listening and witnessing me here. Thank you. Much love. Ciao. All um, merit gained radiated to you.